This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Oh, we are continuing our deep dive into the depth of the Steelers roster here on the Steelers Standard. Did the defense on an earlier episode. So hop on over there, find Apple, find Spotify, find Steelers.com, wherever you get your podcast. Give that a listen before we get to the offense here in this one. Make sure you're all caught up. But Jacob thinks he's got an obvious choice for who has the worst depth. No, no, no. Or who has no. the best the best. Depth. I think I agree with him, too. It's not so since it's the think. best, we're going to have to tease yeah, you there. Yeah, we're going to have yeah. to wait until the very end. It is what I think. It just matters if it depends on what the listeners think right now. True. But let's start with the worst. Okay. And I think there's certainly a, a lot of different places you can go here. The offense last year was the offensive line. And I feel comfortable saying that they're not going to be worst here in my, in my no, they're power not. rankings. They not, are not. Not for me. I'm leaning towards wide receiver. Ooh. I'm leaning towards running back. Yeah. Uh, you could also quarterbacks right there too, too. though. No, I think for, those are for, clearly for, for different circumstances. I think those are clearly three, four, five. The groups that we just listed. What's out the right order there. here? I if, I if go you're running back me, at five. If you're asking me, I go running back. Running at back's five. the worst amount of depth yeah. that you possibly have. I mean, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson ain't great, and Anthony Miller and Gunnar Olszewski, you know, whatever. But I a and this is kind of cheating but a i have a lot of faith that they're going to address wide receiver in the draft sure. maybe even twice they might even pick two wide receivers is now the new Very the new speculation that you're hearing from people in this upcoming draft class i don't know if i have necessarily as much faith that they're going to do that with the running back and more importantly which is an avenue i think would be better to explore i don't know if they're going to go out and get a veteran free agent to be that backup running back so as it stands right now with Najee Harris being the best player on the offensive side of the ball, by far. I don't think that's any mm-hmm. any stretch at all for me to say that. Going to be a top five back in the NFL if he isn't already. He will be by the end of this year in a lot of people's minds. But the drop-off from him to Benny Snell football at number two, and then Tony Mack at number three, and then, according to ESPN, you still have Trey Edmonds listed as your number four right. running back. So. Forget about the fourth guy, though. Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland as your number two and your number three. That just doesn't really do it for me. I I need one of those two guys to be the three, and I need someone better to be the number two. And I think, okay, this is a pretty decent running back room. Guy I've been pounding my table for for a while now is David Johnson. You know, he's very cheap. He's very veteran. I don't think he's going to come in and have some sort of an ego trip where he thinks mm-hmm. he should be the guy over Najee Harris all of a sudden. You know, We're not going to have a LeGarrette Blunt, Le'Veon Bell situation here. I-, I think he's a guy that would know his role, would just be happy to not be on the Houston Texans for the first time in his freaking career. Guy gets this play on a different team, a team that, you know, not necessarily geared up towards having the best season contention-wise, but certainly not looking like it's going to be like a Houston Texans season that he's been used to for the most recent uh past of his so I think he makes a lot of sense and if you see a depth chart this is Najee Harris David Johnson and then Tony Mack that's a lot better than Snell to Tony Mack and and I just have no faith in Benny Snell right now so we have five just just as the same as we did with defense there are five position groups here yeah running backs receivers quarterbacks o-line and then the tight end group if if David Johnson is brought in how far up does this help you? Does this 
move the needle for the running I think backs. they jump in front of the quarterback and the wide receiver for sure. Okay. And I'd be really comfortable with David Johnson as my number two. I, again, a, a, in, in the running back room, the depth, you know, you only really need one and two. Like, I, three, of course, is someone that's going to have to play special teams, someone that might have to do some specialty things. And, of course, if someone gets hurt, you want that number three to be capable enough to step up into a number two spot. But you really only need one and two, especially when you got a guy like Najee, who's going to get almost every single carry, every single, even if a David Johnson is there and healthy and, and a veteran that you trust. So it's not like you really need to add much to make this depth that no. much better for me. Just one signing would really do it. It's the same thing we've talked about in the previous episode where we did defense. You know, that safety, you only have one guy starting out of two positions, but you bring in one person, sudden, it helps a lot. So much better. You look into the outside linebackers, this is kind of more similar uh, of a comparison than than it is for the safeties. Because the outside linebacker, similar to the running back, your number one guy is possibly, well, the number one guy, your outside linebacker, is the best defensive player in the league. Your number one guy at running back is a top five running back, potentially top three this year, given that he can improve his game even more so than he did off of last year, which we expect him to do, right? So yes. he's a top five base minimum right now at, at his position. All you got to do to improve this depth is give him one more piece. That's it. And it, and it drastically Drastically helps. improves that room. Yeah. And I think that piece is out there. I just... Like I said, it was cheating to kind of be like, well, I'll put them last instead of wide receivers because I have faith in them addressing wide receiver more. I just don't know if I have faith in them addressing running back because with receivers, I know they don't think they're good with Anthony Miller being their third. Like, I know for a fact they know that that's not going to cut it. I don't know if they think that with Snell and McFarlane as the backups. Like, there's part of me that thinks Tomlin and Colbert thinks that Snell is okay enough Mm -hmm. to get the job done as number two, or Tomlin's just being like, Najee is never in the field, so right. I don't we're really. Gonna, we're gonna went. We're Benny gonna go Snell, from like three hundred and fifty yeah. touches to four hundred. Right, touches. and Benny Snell knows my special teams. You know, knows Coach Danny Smith's best special teams. So why bring in another guy that I have to learn that to just have Benny Snell keep being a special teams guy? Because Snell will stick him on the special teams. Like, isn't there like three or four times a year you'll see Snell just stick somebody on the? Yeah. On the oh yeah, he like, loves to do it. So. He's you know, a big guy. You know, Tomlin loves football players like that. Right. So that's why I kind of get the sense that. Even though we're not the only ones that view this lack of depth in the running back room as a problem, I don't know if they think it's a problem in Steelers brass. I, I think that they think it's something that they can viably get away with next year with this three in the room. So if you bring in, say say it's your best-case scenario, Tom. Tom Offerman's best-case scenario. David Johnson. bring in here. David Johnson. So it's Najee at one, Johnson at two. I guess you'd have to battle it out for McFarland or Snell at three, and then you, I'd be more partial to McFarland just because I think he brings a little more to the game, a little pass but catching. But wouldn't element. you assume Tomlin would rather keep Benny for special it's, teams? It's a special team. Yeah, he's a football player like Tomlin. But likes. then, what do you do with Derek Watt? But then, on the other side of the coin, now I know you went out and you got Gunnar Olszewski for this, but McFarland's a decent kick returner, punt returner option as well. And again, I know you have Gunner, and that's he's going to slide into that role this year. He's going to replace Ray Ray as far as that's concerned. But it's kind of like you get, but like, where does Tomlin want the special teams help? Does he want it on coverage with Snell? Does he want it on the return right. game with McFarland? So both guys have special team well, aspects. My, to them. my inclination is that they would keep Gunner at the return man, keep and that's Benny. why they keep Snell because coverage is because also yeah. too last year it was Ray Ray making. As the return man, not Anthony McFarland. Right, he was even the, when healthy. Tony Mack was the backup to yeah. him last year, and I think as it's listed right now, 
Okay, no, it's Deontay Johnson as the backup punt returner. Well, that's, that's, that's never going to happen, yeah. though, because he's too valuable. It's like A-B. Once you get too yeah. good, you don't do that anymore. Unless we really, really need you. Like, you got to love when Tyreek Hill goes back to return punts yeah, for the Chiefs or return crazy. kicks because they just need a, a boost, and it, he definitely can bring that boost. He, this is an aside, but if Hill exclusively focused on returning kicks and punts, do you think he'd have a shot at Hester's record? Oh, for sure. Right? Like I he's, mean, he's that explosive. He's so his cut moves. His cut moves are more dangerous as a special teams return man than they are yeah, as right. a receiver. Like if he catches a punt with space, like five right. yards around him, he's going to get at least 30 yards out of it. He's just that good. But anyway, I digress. But yeah. to the depth, like, what do you, I mean, Edmonds, I think, is cut. Why? Or practice squad again. Like, what, what do you do with Watt? I think they're going to keep Derek Watt. Man, I would love for them to just sit him down and be like, hey, buddy, your brother's signed, sealed, and delivered for the next half a decade more. We need to cut your salary down now. Like, it's it's like, family money. That's what it was. Like, let's just see through the charade. Derek Watt's a really good fullback and one of the better special teams players in the sure. NFL. He got $3 million a year because of the last name. Let's make TJ comfortable. We want TJ to stay in Pittsburgh. That's done now. Right. I still think Watt can contribute to this team, just not at 3.7 whatever no. million dollars it is. Bring him into the office. Thanks for helping us get your brother signed. We love you here. You'll play special teams. You'll be a special teams captain again next year. But can we do it at 1.75 instead of 3.7? You know what I mean? Like, let's cut mm -hmm. the salary down now. And I, I guarantee you into it. I, I know that it's hard for somebody to be like, well, yeah, I'll walk away from money. But no one's going to offer him that same amount of money on the market. No one. And no one has the chance to have, I mean, unless you go to Arizona, no one has the chance for you to play with your brother like this. So I think he'd be open for a renegotiation of that. I think it's in the Steelers' best interest because I like him. I like him on special teams, and I think they should use him more in the offense to clear, you know, be an extra blocker for Najee. We saw that work last year when he was out there, and he's capable of doing it. So I'd like to see him used more. I if you're asking me who would I rather cut, Watt or, say, a McFarland or an Edmonds, I'd rather keep Watt. than. I think Watt can do more as a f total football player than they Well, could. yeah, I mean, when you throw Edmonds in there, for sure, I'd rather keep Watt over him. But right. even with Tony Mack, given that we assume that it's going to be Gunner, you're going to lose. Who is your second return man if Gunner goes down? That's what I mean. It would be Tony Mack, I think. In my so you opinion, had to keep Tony Mack, I think. The other thing you could toy with is how popular is Tony Mack? Can we stash him on a practice squad? I mean, you're risking someone losing a running back and signing, hey, this guy's young and explosive. Let's sign him off the Steelers squad. But that's not necessarily a bad thing if someone signs. You're not losing sleep if someone signs no. McFarland off your practice squad. So maybe, you know, you stash him there. I don't know. All I know is that keep an eye on that running back room and see how that plays out because – that can kind of be one of the hidden things that right. needs to be addressed for the Steelers this offseason. Uh, number four, as far as the second worst depth on the offensive side is concerned, is it wide receiver? Or is it quarterback? Is it quarterback? I think it might be quarterback. I think it's quarterback as well just because it's been said We're time cheating after again. time. We're also after... cheating again. They're going to fix wide receiver. But like, they're going to fix quarterback that. too. As far as the depth is concerned, yeah, there's going to be another body. But it's talent. As far as who's going to start, yeah. I don't know if it's going to get any better. Than no, it's it. not. Yeah. But that that... For those two reasons, bodies and talent, I think you have to put it at four. And this stinks because I don't think it would have been four just two weeks ago before that no, it devastating it tragedy happened. When before the tragedy of Haskins' passing happened, they had a really solid room. Like, I would still put it. I would put it at three and wide receiver at four. But it's still better, and it's still you know those are well, three that's guys. The problem is that 
you could you only needed to address one guy. The Steelers said all offseason long. From camp the, arm. Camp arm, camp arm, camp arm. Just well, someone like a Paxton Lynch that has no shot at making the team. But, but a not camp only that, arm. you wanted four guys. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, and that's now what you're left saying. with two. Yeah, you... I mean, that's what Pursuta had been saying forever is that, you know, they come, Labs has been saying it, they go to camp with four guys, and people would always ask, well, who's the fourth guy going to be? Is it going to be a draft pick? Is it going to be a free agent veteran? And Labs, Pursuta, they'd always say, most likely going to be a camp arm. Just someone that doesn't threaten at all is going to clearly be the number four quarterback on the depth chart and just someone to get you through the drills in training camp and get you through the scrimmages mm-hmm. in training camp. Well, now, when you're looking at who's going to be your number three quarterback, I mean, the Steelers like to have three quarterbacks on their roster. I mean, they had last year Ben and Mason, and Dwayne didn't dress. He would he would be on the team. He wasn't on the practice squad. He just wouldn't get a helmet on Sundays. They like to do that. They like to have three. Josh Dobbs, old buddy, who we're very familiar with, is in Cleveland now. Right. So that's one of the most obvious. Uh, that's one of the more obvious ones off the board. And I think if he wasn't in Cleveland, I think you'd see Dobbs back in Pittsburgh already. But at this point, after what happened, for sure, if he wasn't signed the day before the Hassan's you passing. would definitely see him probably back here preparing to be the number three quarterback for your Steelers this year. Unfortunately, that's off the table now. They can't just go get a camp arm kind of guy to be the number three. They need someone that, you know, you hope to God isn't going to play at all but someone who's going to be on the sidelines with an earpiece in his ear on Sundays and, and wearing street clothes and, and contributing to the game plans. So do you go through the draft to get someone like that? I don't know if you do because well, that, guy's the, that guy's a rookie. I'll tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not doing what Chad Reuter predicts the Steelers Trading up and do. getting Ritter. Trading up to number 12 and getting Desmond Ritter. Sp- now, if he's there in like the second or third round, sure. Sure, why not? Let's consider it. I, I, it's more likely that they take a quarterback now than it was, right? Just because, For sure, yeah. Not, and I, I don't mean as Which far as of, like the Pickets or the Willises. I mean like maybe sixth rounder, fifth yeah. rounder, just some some random guy like a Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky. You know what I mean? Just someone like that to Which fill kind out the of? Roster. I mean, point blank, it it hurts you because you're taking it away you, from position you weren't you, you weren't planning on doing so two weeks ago. The other th- avenue that some people have thrown out there, uh, Tim Benz has thrown out here with me before, as um, the guys that are still free agents at quarterback. I mean, we know Cam Newton, even though he said some stupid things recently, is still out there looking for a job. We know Ryan Fitzpatrick is still out there looking for a job. I love how Ben's put this, though. You bring in a guy like a Newton, you bring in a guy like a a Fitzpatrick, Mm -hmm. they're going to be tempted to play them. Like, those guys, first of all, A, Fitzpatrick might. Cam still thinks he can start. So they're not going to accept that role of a third guy or a backup or a camp arm. They also might look decent enough throughout preseason and training camp that the Brass and Tomlin might go, maybe Newton should play over Trip Mitch, or maybe Fitzpatrick should start this year. And you think that's— You don't want that temptation. Right. You do not want right. that temptation in your in your locker room and on the field with you. So although those are two pretty sexy names as far as you need a quarterback, and Fitzpatrick especially is the one that you kind of gravitate towards— I think it's best to just leave that stone unturned and just move on from that. Just say just don't Trubisky's bring, the guy. Don't this bring year. that temptation in. No, I the agree. arms you bring in should be you know number three and number four, and no threat to take it from Rudolph or Trubisky. No, Those, that's what I'm saying. Not even yeah. number two, number three and number four. 
yeah, so I think that that's kind of where they have to focus on in this offseason now as they try to fill out that quarterback room. But I think it's obviously number four right now as yeah. far as depth is concerned. Yeah, I'm with you. But and number three I think is equally as obvious. I think it's Just the, the one receivers. that we have more faith in them fixing, which is wide receiving room. Chase and Deontay are your number one and your number two. And then right now your number three is listed as Anthony Miller, which is not good. Does, and does you also the, have Gunnar Olszewski too. Does the pairing of old Chicago teammates <laughs> in Anthony Miller and Mitch Trubisky intrigue you at all? Not at all. Not at all. Not even a little bit. <laughs> so Anthony Miller is a guy that I hope is playing fifth string wide receiver when it's all said and done when the when the roster is filled out. But Chase and Deontay at the top aren't even exactly two guys that move the needle much. There are more guys you worry about. Like, it's it's not like, oh, I'm excited for the next season of Chase and Deontay. It's kind of like, oh, my God, I really hope Chase and Deontay play well next year because if they don't, we got some trouble at this wide receiver spot. I mean, maybe the rookie that comes in is, is going to be the next number one, but someone needs to snatch that mantle as the guy here in Pittsburgh. And so far, neither of those two have shown consistent enough play to do that. The last two years, right, especially because Chase Claypool made a big splash when he came in as a rookie, but each of the last two years, we have said to each other, who is who are you more inclined to give the number one receiver to, the number one nod to, Deontay or Chase? And we go back and forth and back, back and, and forth. forth. And it's not because they're both striving to make that number one role, to take that number one role. It's because... It seems like they equally don't want it. Yeah, it's like kind of like whenever you're watching a golf tournament and they're they're both in the lead, but they keep hitting the ball in the water. And you're like, does anybody want to win this tournament? It's right. like the same thing. It's like, Deontay, you were playing so well, you were a fringe pro bowler, and then you just start dropping the ball. It's like, do you want it? You just complained, all the, you just complained about how you thought you should be a pro bowler and how you think it's a snub mm-hmm. that you aren't there. But then you go out and you prove everybody right why you shouldn't have been a pro bowler. So... You're just hoping for more of that consistency from those two. And for Chase, you're just hoping that he starts focusing more on football. And, and that football IQ needs to get driven up a little bit. Well, more. you know what I kind of liked about, I mean, he really had no room to talk. But it wasn't like last year against Cleveland when they lost in the first round. And then you see him on Twitch or whatever that streaming platform is. And he's saying, well, they're going to get They're going to get clapped by the... Uh... The Chiefs. I know the Steelers didn't lose to the Bengals in the first round, but it wasn't like he was out there saying, well, the Bengals are going to get rocked by the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. They're going to get rocked by no, but whoever the, they, the Tennessee Titans in the second round. No, the he, new, wasn't, he wasn't talking at all. But the new thing that's burned into people's mind was the celebration after the first down in Minnesota. Of course, of course. But it was a, it was a constant kind of thing of him and Juju being this constant distraction in 2020, whereas in 2021 – his his talent on the field wasn't as great, and then that one instance in Minnesota was terrible. But it wasn't a, oh my gosh, week after week, Chase Claypool is doing this off the field or doing this off the field or maybe potentially doing this on the field that's a distraction. It was just, I think, a one-time offense, but that one-time offense was so ridiculous and so unnecessary that it kind of did enough to kind of equate to the entirety of his off-the-field distractions in all of 2020. Is there a chance that they draft a wide receiver so well in this coming draft that, that he one of takes Chase or Deontay gets bumped back to three? Oh. Or even they both get bumped back to two and three? It could happen. Like, say they take Traylon Burks out of Arkansas in the first round with pick number 20, and he's a stud. 
That's possible. That guy's got stud potential. I mean, think about it. Chase Claypool was taken in the second round. And scored 13 people, touchdowns. People like, were saying that it, that was a reach. You know, they, yeah. they could have waited a little well, bit. I remember it was Dobbins. Dobbins was the big one. They Dobbins, like, oh, J- J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins out of Wisconsin, they passed on. And then he went to Baltimore like three Ohio picks. State, not Wisconsin. Sorry. I'm, I'm Big Ten school. I'm thinking of. Uh, thinking I'm, of Taylor. I'm thinking of Jonathan JT. Taylor. Yeah. Anyways. It was it was J.K. Dobbins who was there because Jonathan Taylor had already been taken. Claypool and people were like, "What are you doing?" Because you thought that this was the year to go and get the, get running, the running back, back. and and you weren't and you weren't falling to that you weren't falling to that trap of taking a running back in the first round because yep. you didn't it have a first round pick. Round. Yep. But it's easily said that given the Steelers' track, given Kevin Colbert's track record of selecting wide receivers. He has the excuse now to not wait until the third round or wait until the the sixth round like an A B. He can go in the first round, and I don't think you would hear many complaints. It's just you got to make sure you hit on the right guy, but you have faith in Colbert hitting on the right guy via the draft at that position, especially yeah. at that position. Especially. The only one that you can think of that really was not a good draft pick at that position in the last fifteen years was Lima Sweet. <laughs> Every other wide receiver who's been selected has contributed in some way. To a decent degree. Yeah. yeah. Like, even like the Marcus Even Wheaton's like a Sammy of, Coates or something. Even like the that, Marcus yeah. Wheaton's of the world yeah. had a 200 yard game against the Legion of Boom. Marcus Wheaton was decent. Right? Yeah, was I like a pretty him. decent player there. But yeah, they, I have a lot of faith that they'll fix that wide receiver depth room. And that's kind of, again, why we're cheating a little bit and saying we have a little more faith in that but depth that's, because we know that's that depth is coming. There's only two starters there. Whereas a wide receiver room, you have to have four guys at the minimum who can contribute, and you only have two. So you need to address it. Number two, I think I'd go offensive line. Right? Oh, see, I I think it's up for inter- I think it's up for debate. I think the tight end room is perfect. Like I think it's flawless. I think Firemuth to I see to that. Gentry to Raider is just a perfect three. I mean, you've got you've got your pass catcher and your playmaker in Firemuth. You've got your big beefy guy in Gentry, right. and then Raider just does beef stuff too. So so okay, we can say it's the offensive line because this time last year they were. Worst. They were terrible. They yeah. were they were they weren't even five. They were just off the map. Well, you have a guy this year who's probably going to be your sixth man starting at center last year. So mm-hmm. and Kendrick and you have a seventh potentially now with JC JC Hassenauer and you still have Joe Haig and John Leglu. And you can still go after year. a tackle in the draft. You're going to draft someone in the draft. Like, Whether it's, a, it's, I, it's going we, to be a lineman. It's going to be a lineman. We think it's going to be a tackle now that you have four. You have five interior linemen. I mean, you dress, what, eight, nine on game day? Mm-hmm. Eight or nine? I mean, I'm looking at my eight right now. Dan Moore, Dotson, Cole, Daniels, Chooks, Joe Haig, Hass, Green. It's eight guys. And maybe you, maybe, still draft maybe you one throw LeGlue a helmet, too. And you can you still draft one more. But that rookie that you pick, he might not even have to have a helmet right. on Sundays, which is a good thing. Considering Especially you if you're going to take him in, like, the fourth round or considering something. Considering last year with Dan Moore... Starting what, 15 games last year with Kendrick Green starting as many games as he did before he went down with injury last year? Yeah, I mean, it's a great problem to have. It's been drastically improved this year as far as filling out that room and filling out the depth on that room. And that's what Colbert said. His biggest regret last year was I didn't have enough veterans. I didn't sign enough people to fill out that offensive lineman room. And that's not the case this year. With more still to come, it looks pretty solid. Now, as far as how effective they're going to be at the top, you know, that's still up for debate. They might not be the which best. Is, they might not be why, the best unit this which year. Which is why we have them, at, I think, at two rather than one. Because last year, you weren't even sure about the guys starting, and you certainly weren't sure about the guys behind those starters. Now at least you have the depth. It's just what can you get out of the guys that 
actually go out and start on game days. And then, like I said, to wrap it up, tight ends, I think is just perfect from top to bottom. Fryermuth, Gentry, Raider. I mean, those three guys, they've been around now for at least a year each, if not more. Uh, Gentry just blew up over the offseason. He got so much bigger, so much better at pass mm. blocking, at run blocking. I mean, that... You're saying last offseason. Last offseason, yeah. yeah. Heading into... We saw it in 2021, right. how much better he looked and how much bigger he looked. So, I mean... You combine Fryermuth's pass catching ability and his career trajectory to be on the path of an Andrews or a Kelsey as far as the contributions he's going to make. I think it's there. Then you got guys like Gentry and Raider whose career trajectories are on the the track of just a guy who's going to eat bodies, be that sixth guy on the offensive line, help clear the running game, and be you like be effective. You like Gentry and and Raider more than you like. Is tight ends backups like McDonald, Matt Spath? McDonald was a weird one because McDonald was a good blocker and he could contribute in the passing game. He was hurt all the time and inconsistency was his biggest problem. But I don't know if I would put him in front of McDonald. I'd say they're pretty comparable. Like I'd say that I I feel the same kind of way that I did. Very solid. Now, if Fryermuth goes down and Gentry has to step in, I think Spaths and McDonald's had more success in the pass-catching game to step up as that number one tight end than a Gentry or a Raider do. But if things stay perfect, I think this is a very perfect room as far as their offense is concerned. Would you say offense and defense? Tight end's the most complete? No. I would probably say, two. given everyone's healthy, you have to put defensive line. Probably, as number one. Because if you have defensive line healthy, it's... Camp, Steph, Tyson, and then you still have Wormley and you still have Adams as your backups. Not to say that you don't lo- you you like those guys more at their position more than you like Gentry and Raider at the tight end, but the starters combined on the defensive line make it better overall. But the, I don't think it's absurd to say that number two offense and defense is tight end. Before we wrap up, let's go back to number four real quick. Some quarterbacks that are still out there to fill out that depth in the quarterback room. We said Fitzpatrick and Newton. Those are obviously number one and number two. Probably not going to happen. What about guys like Mike Glennon? What about guys like A.J. McCarron? I know I know. Uh, Jerry Dulac floated the name Josh, Josh Rosen. Rosen. You know, that, that fits in with the age thing, too, as sure. far as bringing in the I young mean, guy. I mean, that's a, it's a, uh, it's a year younger. He's 25. year younger than Mitch Trubisky. John Wolford, the guy who played in that game for the Rams. For the Rams and, in that before playoff Goff game, Before right? had to come back yeah. in to help win them. Like, any of those guys, Glennon, McCarron, Rosen, or Wolford, I would totally be fine with because I have no confidence in them jumping up to second no. on the depth chart. But they're good pieces that have been around the league for a while, like especially a Glennon and a McCarron. Like, it, you can kind of go either way with those two. You go Glennon and McCarron route, oh, I'm bringing in a veteran. They're in their 30s. They've been around the league forever. They know what they're doing. Or you go the Rosen and Wolford route, and you just say, let's just keep the youth movement going, right? Mm-hmm. Let's bring in another young body. I'm more inclined out of, out of all of those four to go Glennon, the older, the elder statesman, the, the goal, 32 year old. But between even between him and McCarron, Glennon because he has more starting experience than McCarron does, and he's not going to threaten like a Newton or a Fitzpatrick. No. Like no one's going to say, "Oh, it's tough to be out there with Glennon breathing down your neck." No. Like no, with Newton, yes, but with Glennon. Not a chance. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen as we ranked the depth power rankings on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. We'll get into some NFL talk on our next episode, so make sure you tune into that. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you guys next time.